Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 31. I want to talk uh, a couple of minutes about uh, Jesus' journey. His journey is my salvation. His journey is my salvation. Praise God. So, Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 31. The word of the Lord reads as follows. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was that all the nations would seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though, he's, though he is not far from any one of us. I'm going to say it again. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him, talking about Jesus, from the dead. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Dear Holy Spirit, I pray that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might truly understand that which you have spoken to us. Uh, Lord, may it, may, may it be a personal revelation to each and every one of us. Thank you, dear Holy Spirit. Open up our eyes now. Open up our understanding. Think through my mind and speak through my lips, I pray. And we do give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Before you sit down, tell at least seven people, thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Thank God for his word. Praise the Lord. Gracias a Dios por su palabra. Amen. Thank God for his word. So in, in this season, it's very important that you ask God to open up your eyes. Um, when, the, when Jesus healed the blind man, the blind man then saw all the things that were around him. And he saw Jesus was right there. So this is what God is doing to everybody who hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. God opens up their eyes and they see all along God was always near to them. He wasn't far from them. The enemy tries to make you think that he's far from you, but in fact, he's very near. He's very, uh, you are very dear to him. And what Jesus did, not only on the cross, but his entire life was one of a sacrifice to bring you back to Almighty God. Because what happened was when man sinned on earth, uh, when Adam sinned, that created a very insurmountable problem. And it was impossible that we fix it. Because what happened was God created man and then set him on earth. And he said, you are the manager of this earth. You are in charge here. Anything that happens is your responsibility. 
I give you the gold, I give you the silver, I give you the animals, uh, whatever, the trees, the food, it, it, it's here, it belongs to you, you're the steward. I'll give you my word, I'll give you my spirit, I'll give you my wisdom. But what happened is when sin entered, when, when Adam disobeyed, that created a, a, a shift on the earth. He handed over this authority to the enemy. So when the enemy, uh, the devil went to Jesus and showed him uh, all the nations, he says, I'll give this to you if you worship me. He had the right to offer it because he was in charge, because Adam had passed it on to him. Yes, yes. See, and in fact, uh, the, the, the way this was supposed to work is that Jesus is going to once again take ownership. But the enemy was trying to circumvent the process that Jesus had to go through. And here's why Jesus had to go through this process. You and I were separated from God by sin. And the only thing that can wipe that clean is a sacrifice, Amen. a pure sacrifice. So in the old days, you used to see how uh, these uh, priests of old would offer up a perfect lamb, uh, an unspotted lamb, and then that sacrifice would go up before the Lord, blood would be spilled, and then what would happen is God would accept that, that sacrifice. Problem is, you sin again, sacrifice is no longer valid. You have to do another sacrifice. So the problem was man messed it up. So man had to fix it. But man couldn't fix it because there was no perfect man. Every man born was born of sin. Every man born had that glitch and eventually would mess up. So now here's the, the problem. There is no man. So God's looking from heaven and he's saying, what do we do? So the only thing I can do is I have to become man. And I have to live the perfect life and restore the imbalance that the first Adam messed up. So God came in as the last Adam, mm -hmm. was Jesus, and he lived the perfect life. So it wasn't just a momentary six to nine hour deal that he did on the cross. It was an entire life that he lived yes. for you. Hallelujah. See, that's how come it's very selfish of us to not want to give even a little time for a march or for prayer or, or help the young people or preach the word or be a, a witness in your job. It's very selfish. Yes. Or go to Sunday school, right? That's right. Yes. Cynthia said. <laughs> so, you know, we, we need to stop being so selfish and, and flow in the spirit of Jesus because he's not asking us to live a perfect life and die on the cross. He already did that. Amen. He already did that. But he did a lot more. And I want to share that with you in a couple of minutes. But I just wanted to set that, that the man messed it up and God could not fix it. Man had to fix it. See, yeah. so here was yes. the problem. Yes. God couldn't just come in and just say, okay, reboot. He couldn't just do that. Man had to do that. Why? Because God established man as the ruler on yes. earth, as the one with dominion on earth. Yes. See? So here's the issue. When God establishes a law, he submits himself to the very law that he establishes. Amen. So if God would have come in and just say, well, Adam, no good. Let me make another one. He would have been breaking his own law because he established the law that man is in charge here on earth. Yes. See? So when, when God became flesh... In John chapter 1, verse 1, he became flesh. He was with God, and he became flesh, verse 14. He lived out this life as a perfect man. Yeah, but what about the sin issue? Isn't every man born with sin? No, because Jesus wasn't born by man. Because when, when uh, the, uh, the young lady became pregnant, who's the young lady? She didn't have a man yet. The Holy Spirit was the one that placed the seed. So it was a seed of the Holy Spirit, but yet it was a human that was born. So it was, all man, it was God and man at the same time. Amen. 
Amen. So as Jesus walked out his, earth, his life on this earth, he walked it as a man. He was a carpenter. He worked hard. He was a rabbi. He studied the whole law of Moses. He memorized the whole law of Moses. He served in the temple. I mean, he, he was very honorable. He was an honorable son. He respected the laws of the land. He didn't sin. But the Bible says he was tempted in every area as a man, yet found faultless and blameless. See? So when he went to the cross, in actuality, he shouldn't have gone to the cross because he wasn't a criminal. That's right. That's right. Amen. When he said, listen, <laughs> before Abraham was, I am. When he told that to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they got all upset. So what are you talking about before Abraham was? Abraham was our father and, and all this nonsense, and they got so upset. It's always the religious folk that get the most upset. Yes. Because they think they know it all. Sometimes we have to learn some nonsense that we learn to, to get to hear God again. So when they tell him that, he says, listen, before Abraham was, I am. And then they try to kill him. So he was able to always, you know, find a way to get away. But he didn't mind dying. He had no problem because he was here to die. But he said, I have to die at the right time. And he died on Passover. See, it had to be at the right time because he was the Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, you know, God told Moses, Moses... I'm about to send the death angel. Every firstborn son is going to die. That's part of the judgment that's coming upon the land. Whoever's on the land, firstborn is going to die. It's my judgment upon, upon Egypt. So you're going to have to do something. I need to see some blood. Because that's the only thing that will redeem the, the sin. That's the only thing that cleanses. We don't understand the power of the blood. We think blood is just something red that comes out of it. No, no. That stuff has language. Yes, it does. That's right. That stuff communicates. No, you, you, we still don't know how powerful blood is. Doctors still don't understand fully how, how blood can give life and how, how blood can speak. The Bible says that the blood of Abel still speaks to God to yes. this day. Yes, amen. For justice, cries out for justice. Yes. That's how come there's some communities you have a lot of deaths and the blood of those people will cry out for justice. And sometimes neighborhoods have to be cleansed the, the body of Christ has to come and pray for regions for it to be cleansed of curses that came upon that land because people committed atrocities and yes. deaths and spilled Amen. blood. Amen. Oh, this is, this is very deep. Yes. I'm, just, I'm just scraping the surface because I just want to talk to you about something. But when Jesus went to the cross, he spilled his own blood. And see, he came in. Notice, the, the, the Holy Week is about ready to start. First thing that happens, he heads back toward Jerusalem. What does he do? He tells his disciples, uh, disciples, I need to make an entrance. But the people are not going to see me like a conquering king. I need to come in as a humble lamb. So I want you to find a colt for me. And this colt, humble animal, and um, you're going to go to this place and pick it up. If they ask something about it, it says the Lord have need of it. So they went to the place, found it, a colt. And, it, and its mother there, and, and, and they went to get it, and some of the guys over there said, what are you doing? Said, well, the Lord says he needs this colt. Said, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's just like, I'm going to go to the car. I said, listen, I need your car. Why? The Lord said. <laughs> Don't try that on me, because I'm not going to give you my car. That was a one-time-only deal. Don't take it out of context. <laughs> so what happened was, is that then Jesus uh, rides on this colt into Jerusalem. And as the people see him, they start throwing palms on the ground and they start saying Hosanna and they start uh, uh, acknowledging him as a king. But he came unusually because that's not the way kings enter once they come victoriously. Right. They come in on stallions. Yeah. They come in in the royal regalia. Yeah. He came in as a humble yeah. lamb. 
Because that's what he was going to do. He was going to die on the cross as the perfect lamb of God, as the perfect sacrifice to clean your sin and mine. So when we receive this sacrifice, God looks at us and he sees the sacrifice of Jesus. And he sees the blood cleansing us and then he forgives us. But not only does he, this is one step further. This was his own son. This was God in the flesh dying for you and for me. So when he sees the blood on you, he says, okay, not only do I forgive you, but here's my pact. You're going to become my son and my daughter now. Because there was a transfer of that blood to us. You see, and, and what happens was, it was not just a cleansing, it was also an uh, adoption. Yes, in yes. the Old Testament, when this, this uh, particular lamb would, would die, God would forgive the sin. But with this last sacrifice, when the lamb of God died, he did it once for all. Amen. So now the blood is effective today. Yes. The sacrifice is effective today. Yes, yes. Anybody that accepts Jesus is not accepting a religion. What they're doing is they're going before Almighty God and accepting His sacrifice for us. We couldn't do it for ourselves. We were messed up. We were in sin. There was no, no offer we could offer Him that was holy enough because God is holy, holy, holy. Yes. He's righteous, righteous, righteous. He will visit judgment. He will visit the generations who committed judgment and He will release judgment on the land. And when he, when, when he said, I'm going to uh, um, extend my judgment over Egypt, whoever's there, firstborn son, is going to die. So then the, the Israeli, Israeli said, what, what are you going to do? So I have an answer. I want you to take a, a first year perfect uh, a, a lamb, take the blood, and apply it on the doorposts and the lintels. Yes. Wherever my death angel sees the blood, I will pass over. Hence the word Passover. That's what the Jews celebrate. It's the Passover. It's a lot more complicated. They have a lot more tradition to it, a lot more understanding. The Jewish people do because it came through them first. But we get the benefit too. Yes. Because wherever God sees the blood, he passes over. Yes. Now, no judgment comes upon us. What comes upon us instead is his blessing, Amen. his peace, Hallelujah. his joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So this, this week, we're going to start, uh, we're going to hear about the Holy Week. Um, Jesus comes in, he's headed toward Jerusalem. Several things happen. He went to Jerusalem, and then he goes to the temple. This wonderful, magnificent temple. One time the disciples asked him, he says, you see all those beautiful buildings, Jesus? He says, none of these buildings are going to be standing shortly. Not a stone upon stone won't, won't, won't even be standing. It's going it's to be raised to the ground, R-A-Z-E-D, to the ground. He knew. He knew what was going to happen in the, in the coming days. They were celebrating the grandiose temples, but yet God was saying, you don't understand, judgment is coming upon the land. Amen. You know? Amen. And, and you know, I, look about, uh, I look around at the news, and it, it blows me away because we get tidbits of things that are happening, and we don't get it. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, a comet hit Russia. Yeah. And we go, oh, well, hmm, I wonder what's the lotto numbers this week. We don't think that at any given time, this world could be devastated, right. cleaned out. I mean, <laughs> gone. Just Friday, just Friday, a comet passed right by New York, right by the East Coast. It got so close that it was clear even to us. We normally can't see things like that. You have to be at a certain time, a certain angle. You have to have a machine. People were actually able to see it. 
the Bible says in the last days you will see signs and wonders on earth and in heaven. There are things that are happening right now that are getting me very concerned. Not concerned in terms of scared, but saying, uh-oh, could this be a time where the, there's the consummation of the ages starting to um, accelerate? And when I see how our go government is behaving, when I see that they can't get their act together because it's just so many laws. Right now, you wake up in the morning, you're illegal already. You're breaking some law just by waking up. They've put so many laws on top of laws, you know, connected by laws, laws on the side of laws, that at any given time, you can get arrested for something. And this year, they're debating right now same-sex marriage in the Supreme Courts of the land. If this becomes law on a national level, part of our Bible is automatically illegal. Now, how are we as the body of Christ going to be able to deal with this? I'm not worried about it. You know why? God is still God. That's right. That's right. You understand? Know so God will visit the land. And what will happen is, I remember years ago, we prayed. Uh, 1.3 million men showed up in Washington, D.C. in the mid-90s. And, and I went with a bunch of guys, and it was just wonderful. Our job was just get on our faces, repent, and ask God for forgiveness. Lord, cleanse the government. Cleanse. And shortly after that time of prayer, God started exposing politicians. Some politicians went to jail. Some politicians were exposed on a national level, uh, you know, embarrassed thoroughly. Because God will always expose sin when God's people humble themselves and pray and seek their face, seek his face, and turn from our wicked ways. God looks to, for the church to set the atmosphere. So I'm not, I'm not amazed that the world's being the world. I'm not surprised at that. I am surprised at us many times, though. Because we're like, oh, bendito, que cosa terrible. It's terrible. It's so unfortunate. Okay, what do we do next? It's just like it, nothing moves us anymore. But as the church, we should be moved. That's right. We should be moved with, look what's happening with our children. Our children right now are being taught every type of insane doctrine and philosophy in school. But if the teacher tries to pray for them and tries to bless them, if the teacher tries to share a, a, a wisdom verse with them, she, could, she or he could lose their job right now. But yet they could teach them about witchcraft. They could teach them about aberrant philosophies. People, let me tell you, there, there are things that are happening. And when I look at what Jesus went through in that week, I say, thank you, Lord Jesus, because you gave us the strength. You gave us the answer. You gave, the, gave us the wisdom. You gave us the peace. You are concerned for this world. Right. And, if, and if he didn't do anything about it, forget it. We would have no hope. Right. Amen. But tell your neighbor, we have, hope. we have hope. We have great hope today. So I'm not coming to you to worry you. I'm just coming to wake you up and then to, to get you excited. Because, you see, if we pray, things happen. Amen. If we pray, things change and shift. Amen. Yesterday, in one of the pastor's retreats, I was there. We had a wonderful time. One pastor was sharing how um, they tried to bring a, a, a particular organization, try to bring some stuff in a community that they're bringing all over the place. And they stood up and they said, listen, they can do whatever they want, but you know, they have to be concerned with community and stuff like that. And even though in other communities they were allowed to do whatever they want, the church stood up and prayed and sought God and stood their ground and they couldn't do in that community what they were doing in other communities. You see, so the church is very powerful. We're more powerful than what we realize. 
Problem is, we've been through a year or two or three years of being beat up, being beat up, being hit, being smacked by different challenges. And, and the enemies come against us. And he's trying to shut our voices. He's trying to shut our prayers yes. down. He's trying to shut our faith down, which is vital. Part of the, uh, the, the Holy Week was when Jesus got to Jerusalem. Then he went and passed by Bethany and he saw a fig tree. He went to it and didn't see fruit on it. So he went to the fig tree and started talking to the tree. Have you ever talked to trees before? I think that's a little unusual. I think if you were talking to a tree, I would get concerned for you. But Jesus was talking to a tree. And he told the tree, he said, let no one eat from you anymore. And the disciples were there and they heard him. They didn't say much, but all this happened during the Holy Week. Then they went somewhere else. They came back the next day, passed by that very same place. Of course, Jesus did that on purpose. And Peter sees the tree and it had dried and withered up. He says, Jesus, look at the tree that you spoke to. It's dried and withered up. He says, listen, have faith on God. Have faith in God. If you speak to a mountain, yes. if you, you pray and you speak and you declare to a mountain, that mountain will have to be moved. Have faith in God. So one of the things, one of the highlights of his message in the last week of his life were don't ever let your faith be shut down by anybody, by anything. Yes. You were meant to move mountains. You were meant to shift communities. You were meant to impact families, to impact generationally and transgenerationally. So don't ever let the enemy take your voice away. Don't ever let the enemy take your faith away. The Bible says don't be weary in well-doing because you will reap if you faint not. Now that Bible, the Bible is not saying weary like physically. It's saying don't get disillusioned. Don't let the enemy bring you to a place where you don't, what's the use? And there's so many Christians I find today that, what's the use? What do you mean, what's the use? You're the salt. Without the salt, the community lost its savor. You're the light. Without you, nobody can see. God works through his men and women here on earth. Remember what I told you in the beginning? Man's in charge. Whatever happens here, God will speak to man, and then man will make it happen. Or man will pray to God and say, listen, Father, this is happening. We need some power here. We need some wisdom here. We need some resource here. And God will hear, respond, and send the wisdom and send the resource. So we have to be active. Say to your neighbor, we have to be active today. Amen. We have to be active, manifesting the love of God, manifesting the grace of God, the wisdom of God. So, uh, I'm so excited that the young folk who are actually going out there, they're going to be prayer walking. They're, they're, they're going to be interfacing with the community, and I'll be there with them. Praise Amen. God. So I'll just be there, just praying, just backing them up, letting them speak to the future. Because that's what makes a change. That's what makes shifts. On a world level, wherever the church is very involved, you see change. Amen. Change for the better. Praise God. Amen. So when Jesus got to that place where he, where he gets to Gethsemane, he uh, has a, 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 almost like a personal fight, but to such a degree where you saw such a high level of anxiety almost or, or stress on his body that he starts bleeding in his forehead. Medically, that uh, uh, can happen. In extreme times of stress, you can actually bleed from your forehead. And during extreme times of stress, your collarbone or your bones here might break. They might snap because your, your, yeah. your muscles tense up. That's, I, it's an extreme case, but it can happen. See, so Jesus went through such a fight in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Why would he have such a fight in the Garden of Gethsemane? In this garden? Well, what about the first fight? In the first garden? See, he came to correct the problem 
that happened in the first garden. Adam failed in the first garden. Jesus came back in another garden and won back what Adam lost. So he fought a battle for you and me that you and I don't have to battle anymore. The enemy might try to get you to that place where you're weary and say, oh my God, what am I going to do? No, no, be at peace because Jesus already won the battle. He told us, be at peace. Amen. Uh, you know, I, he says, I have defeated the world. Do not fear. Be at right. peace. When he went to that garden, he spoke to the enemy, defeated the enemy, right? Guess what he did? He bled in that place. Amen. The blood was spilled in that place. So that's one of the areas where the blood came to cleanse the curse that had affected the, in the first garden. Yes. We lost our authority. We lost our strength, our passion. Yes. Amen. We lost our vision. Well, guess what? In Jesus, we get it back. That's right. Amen. Amen. Whatever you lost before you came to Christ, when you come to Christ, He restores it for you. Hallelujah. Now He declares you're a mighty person. You're a person that will stand. When the enemy comes against you, you don't have to run away. You could stand because you have the power to stand. Yes. yes. Glory to God. Because the blood of Christ Hallelujah. cleansed that area, took yes. the curse away. So now you could stand with authority. The enemy will come at you and you'll say, get thee behind me. He'll have to obey. Why? Because you now have authority. Yes. An authority yes. that was not given by you. It was given by Almighty God. Hallelujah. I often say this, but I can't say, in it, say it enough. For you that are police officers here or know any police officer, praise God. Um, you know, they could wake up in the morning and not feel like being a police officer. But it's irrelevant. It doesn't make a difference how they feel about it. They have the authority. You get up in the morning, man, I haven't had my coffee. I'm not a cop. No, that's not true. You're a cop whether you feel like it, whether you have a good attitude or a bad attitude. So you better, well, adjust yourself to your authority because you're walking in that authority. And so you Christians, you know, by the blood of the Lamb, you now have authority. You can come in and conquer regions and give them back to God. You know, you can, you can restore people to God. You have the authority. But many times, I don't feel like it. I, I'm not going to pray. I, I have no power now because I, I could feel I have no power. Lie. You can't help it. It's on you. See, you just don't understand fully your authority yet. Hallelujah. It's almost like a cop coming up, yeah, I know you ate the red light, but can you please not do that again? They're not going to come to you that way. They're going to come in their authorities to pull over. Yeah. What did I do? Off of, um, license and registration, please. And you know, and most of the time they do it with attitude, man. They don't come in, yeah, can I please, you know, I, I, I know you're very important, very busy, but can I please have your license? No, no, they're going to come with their authority. And then you're going to try to explain it to them, and they, they have wisdom. They already know when you're lying. And they're expecting you to lie at them. They're expecting you to throw all sorts of, you know, you know, maromas. You know what a maroma is? How do you translate that into English? Maromas. Huh? It's like almost, yeah, it's, it's, it's like tumbling, but it's tumbling words. In other words, like you're just trying to deceive the person, you know, eloquently deceive with words. It's not going to happen. They go, uh -huh, yeah, okay, I'll be right back. They go to their police car, and when they come back, they come back with a nice, brand new violation. <laughs> Hand it to you, I said, don't do it again, right? And then, of course, you're upset because you're innocent, oh, they're picking on me. Bottom line is you were guilty, and the authority came and found you out, right? You see, so when we come in with our authority, we know the enemy comes to mess up. The enemy is not the person. Uh, they're ignorant. They don't know the enemy's using them. They don't know the devil's using them. You know, they might try to curse out. They might try to laugh at us. They might try to joke. But that very same person, when they're in trouble, guess who they're going to have to pray for them? Me, you, 
You, you understand? So uh, what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. See? And who had just denied him? All of the disciples. And later on in the book of Acts, chapter 6, one, one of the disciples, filled with the Holy Ghost, now with the revelation of God, they start stoning him, Stephen. And what did he do? Did he turn around and curse them? Did he turn around and say, you, you, you did what? You did not? No, you didn't. Yeah, no, no, he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You understand? So what happened is when you have the revelation of God, you won't so much get upset at people. You'll get disappointed with them, of course. You'll get hurt because look how they're behaving, but you'll know your authority. So you'll come against the spirit that's affecting them. Why? Because your authority has been restored in that garden. What was taken away in a previous garden has been restored in another garden. Praise God. And then later on, what happened to Jesus? They put a crown of thorns on his head. <laughs> I mean, probably all of you saw that movie. It gave a good, a, a good idea of, of what our, our precious Lord and Savior went through. So what happens is, as he wears this, as they, they just slammed it onto his head, he bled again. So more blood was spilled, that precious holy blood. When, Jesus sees the, when, when the Father sees the blood, he cleanses, he forgives. Another thing he did in the Old Testament is when the death angel came, he protected. So the blood forgives us. The blood restores our authority. The blood protects us from things that can go wrong. Amen? Amen. And in this case, where, where did the blood spill? In his, on his head. So there's several things that happened there, several dynamics. One was the thinking. Too many Christians have stinking thinking. Too many of us have messed up minds. And our, our, you know, we are our own worst enemy. And God came to redeem even that process. Because that's important. If you don't have right thinking, it doesn't make a difference. You'll always look through a, a lens that is dirtied by your perspective. You see? So, right now, uh, in Romans chapter 12, it made it very clear. He says, first and foremost, let your body be a sacrifice unto the Lord. Amen? Amen? But then it also says, let your mind be renewed. Our mind has to be renewed every day. That's why meditation is very important. Meditation is huge. Every day I must wake up and say, Father, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your word. Thank you that now I have the peace of God. Thank you I have the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father, that you have redeemed me. Thank you that I'm a man or you could say a man or woman of authority. Thank you that today you're going to give me opportunities to pray for somebody, to, to, to help somebody, to, to give somebody some wisdom. Father, I thank you. And when you go out with that perspective, with a renewed mind, when the enemy tries to hit you, you'll be able to identify the false from the real. The, the enemy will always say, ah, you don't have authority. Ah, you can't do that. You're, you're old, the friends that you knew you from your old day, ah, we know who you are. No, 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 no. That's who I was. That's dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. So our thinking starts to change. And we start walking in authority and thinking the thoughts of God. Amen. The way you think the thoughts of God is by getting into his word. The more of his word you'll know, the more Christ-centric your thinking will become. Amen? So, yes, we hear a lot in the world. And, you know, I get scared sometimes because the amount of stuff the children are seeing today with their eyes, hearing with their ears, and, my God, the majority of it terrible. The majority of it devilish, demonic, horrible. The games they're playing today. I mean, in my, in my age, I don't, I don't know, if some of you guys, may, maybe in my, my age, my, my, my game was doo-doo, you know what that is? Atari. I mean, that, that, that had no morality to it. I just have to get the lever there and then. You know? Baseball. 
And it worked. It was great. But today is how many people you could kill within the least amount of moments. And, and forget about how to kill them. They have as many ways as you want to kill them. And they're constantly seeing that, seeing that, seeing that. Ah, it doesn't make a difference. Just a game. No, it's not. Uh, no, it's not. The, the, the battle is won and lost in the mind. So by the, kid, by the time kids are 8, 9, 10 years old, their, their thoughts uh, are, are so full of this, and they become numb. Yes. Just the other day on TV, it just greased my heart. I was talking with my wife yesterday about it. My heart's still broken. This, this young lady with her child just walking in the street. These two kids, I think one is 14 or 15 years old. The other one's 17 years old, still children with, with guns. Go to her and ask, uh, tell her, give me your money. She says no, and they just shoot the child. Don't tell me this is not affecting them. These things affect. And then they hang out with each other. And they, you, know, you don't know the things our children are, are exposed to. So you've got to get them into that family altar. You've got to get them into the word of God. Because otherwise, what else are they getting? It's our job. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility as a church. But the primary responsibility is, for the, is, is the fathers and the mothers. We have to get back to that, walking in our authority and helping our generation and the generations that are coming up, those precious little ones, to think the thoughts of God. So that when they're challenged with the counterfeit, with the counterfeit family, because a gang is a counterfeit family. When they get challenged with that, they'll say, no, 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 I already belong to a family. I already belong to the family of God, the kingdom of God. Amen? The other thing that was restored is the fact that they used the crown of thorns. In the Old Testament, when God cursed the land, immediately thorns came out of the land. And that's part, that, that's, that's part of the curse. So Jesus bled on those thorns, restoring what should have been for us and is now for us the blessing of God. Because a, a ground that produces is a ground that makes us prosperous. If you can give me... 10 or 20 acres of good fertile, fertile land, I could plant beets and, and I could plant all sorts of bananas and all sorts of stuff. Then I could go take those things to the store, sell them to the store and make money for my family and provide. That's prosperity. See, so God came to restore our, our ability to take care of our families, our ability to be prosperous, not just for us and our families. But let me ask you a question. Aren't farmers the ones that produce food for us too? So God doesn't want you just to have enough just for you, just to, just to make it. How many of you now are just making it? That's not God's design. He, he wants us to have so much that we have enough for our families and for our communities. And it all starts with the restoration of the mind. Because if I could understand that God wants me to have more, not just so I could show off, but because I am part of the restoration of a community. God wants the cities. God wants the Bronx. God, God wants Manhattan. He wants Brooklyn. He, he, he wants Queens. Not the, the physical place. He wants the people. He loves them. He wants them once again to be family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So I'm excited about that because now I could put a demand on my land. Amen. I could put a demand on my circumstance and situation. Amen. Some of you actually think that your boss is the one that pays your bills. No. God pays my bills. Right. <laughs> That's He's the one that provides. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You might be in that place today, but you, you might be in another place tomorrow. Well, thank God that the same door that God opened up, He can open up another similar or even better door in the future when you need it at the right time. Praise God. Amen. 
Praise the Lord. So I, I thank God that he already released grace on that area. Yeah, yeah but, but uh, Pastor, times are hard. I don't care. God is God. That's right. Remember the verse? He doesn't need our hands. He's the one that blesses us with everything that we need. Right. Praise God. So during a time of recession, he can bless you. Let me take you a moment to a, a widow whom God speaks to during a time of such crisis that she has one last meal for her and her son, and then the next thing to do is just wait to die. So God comes to her and says, this is my prophet's on his way. I want you to feed him. Since she was a woman of God, she knew God's voice. She said, okay, if you're going to ask me to feed him, you know my situation. You know I have only one meal left and I'm ready to die. So that means you're going to provide. So she's, she's, yeah. she's getting excited now because God just finished speaking to her. So then on the other side, you see Elijah. He had, he had spoken to the sky. He said, it's not going to rain until I say so. Until uh, at my command, it's going to rain. And for two and a half years, it hadn't rained. So God had sent him to a place that says, I want you to go over there. There's a, there's a brook over there and there's water. And the ravens are going to feed you. So God had supernaturally provided for his prophet. That's, that's why I'm not so worried. God can supernaturally provide for you. He doesn't have one way. He's not linear. He has a myriad of ways. There is no limitation to Almighty God in His ability to provide for us. Hallelujah. So, then suddenly the brook dries up. See, that's the problem. We think that if the brook dries up, we're in trouble. If the brook, brook dries up, we have no longer any other opportunity. That's it. It was the only brook. God gave me the brook, and now the brook is gone. No. God says, okay, now go to town. There's a widow that I have commanded to take care of you. Go over there, and she'll take care of you. Right? So the, the prophet of God comes in his authority. He comes into town. He doesn't know that she has one last meal and she's ready to die. He doesn't know that there's so much famine in there that she has nothing. God told me she's going to take care of me. She's going to take care of me. <laughs> He came in that faith, in, in that understanding. So he shows up, he sees her. He goes, woman, could you get me some water? She looks at him, says, that's the prophet. All right, let me get him some water. So by the way, while you're getting me the water, also make me a, a patty. Make me a cake. She turns around, she looks at me, and says, prophet, I have only enough food for me and my son for one meal, and we're just sitting here waiting to die. He says, no problem. The Lord said, I love that. <laughs> See, the Lord's word will come in and circumvent any natural occurrence or any natural situation. The Lord's word will come in and superimpose his supernatural on a natural circumstance. The Lord's word will come in and right any wrong in your life. The Lord's word will come in and shift some uh, crisis that you've been going to and make it into a blessing. Say with me, shift. See, God's going to shift your situation. The word is coming upon your situation. Hallelujah. It's coming to shift. So he says, see, the, the, the food you have is not going to deplete. You're going to continue to get grain and oil. You know, so, so just make me the food. Make it for me first because I'm hungry now. <laughs> That's what he said. And she said, no problem. She made the cake for him first, handed it to him, and suddenly in the bottle, the oil would just continue to supernaturally replicate or multiply. The grain multiply. And throughout the entire process of this drought, they had supernatural provision. Mm. You know what I love about the story? You expect the prophet to act like the prophet. But that God trusted this widow so much that she sent the prophet to him. 
that even though she was in a situation where in the natural she was ready to die, he knew that he could trust her to take care of a man of God. And the fact that he knew that she confided in God so much that she was willing to be part of the process. I think maybe two or three of you got that. Could it be you're in the same situation? And now you're starting to doubt. You're starting to say, you know, I thought God was, I thought, I thought, I thought. Forget about thinking. How about faith? The just shall live by faith. The just don't live by doubt. The million plus people that doubted God in the desert didn't make it to the promised land. Even though he said that his desire was for them to be in the promised land. But yet two guys that dared to believe. After 45 years, he got them into the promised land. Amen. The whole generation passed away, but yet God kept them strong. God kept them in great power. Hallelujah. So do I have any faith people here? Yes. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So as he's passing by, getting close and closer in this holy week, he he identifies the fact that he's the Lamb of God. He's going to make things right for once and for all. Number two, he fought for our faith. So during that moment when he puts the, the, the crown of thorns on his head, he says, now all of that is made right. So on the cross, actually even before that, stripes on the back. He bled on his back. And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah that by his stripes, we were healed. So then there's that provision of supernatural healing, emotional healing, physical healing, yes, yes. mental healing. I am putting a demand on that. I want healing. I need healing. I need healing for me, for my family. I need healing for all of you. I need healing for our community. The Bronx needs healing. All our boroughs, wherever we live, needs healing. Our children need healing. Our grandchildren need healing. Amen. So he came to restore that. When he went to the cross, he bled on his hands. He bled on his feet. Hands are indicative of the things we do, our work, our labor, our skill, right? That's a good word, our skill. What is your skill? Well, guess what? God has blessed your skill. God has blessed your gift. God has blessed your talent. Your talent is supposed to bring life. I don't care what the enemy said to you. Remember, shift. It's starting up here first. It shifts here. And then as you work, you'll you'll work with confidence. I want you to work from now on with confidence. I I want you to walk from now on knowing that you're a man of God, that you're a woman of God. God has blessed your work. God has blessed also the feet bled. So God has blessed your journey. God has blessed your walk. God has blessed your life. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, I have a blessed walk. Amen. I have blessed work. Yes, you do. Because the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood was shed. And as this holy week, as we consider that, we need to consider all of these precious things. And in closing... Somebody said amen, and, you know, they said in closing. I know, I know. I said in closing, somebody, somebody woke up, somebody went, oh, you said closing? All right, good. Yeah, somebody, somebody had dumb clothes until I did my closing. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that God does exceeding abundantly above all that we think yes. and ask. So in this season, I told you last week, that I heard the word um, last week or a week and a half ago, that God said, I am giving you 
um, an unfair advantage. What you do, I'm going to amplify it. What you do, I am going to do a lot more of it. And, and the Lord reminded me this week that God does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. I've been asking. I've been asking for my family. I've been asking for this congregation. I've been asking for this community. And guess what? God says, whatever you ask, what I do is I set it as a baseline. And then I throw it far beyond. I do much more than you ask me for. So it's a, as a leverage. God said, I'm giving this church leverage. So you do something, I'm going to do a lot more of it. Amen. Amen. Remember those uh, monkey bars? Not the monkey bars. What do you call the seesaw? Yeah, I used, to, I used to love the little park. I used to call it the little park. But the seesaw was, was cool because we had leverage. I could be smaller and you had a bigger guy there and yet you, we still could, you know, right? We could, we could see the saw and saw the sea. Just, just you know, just, just back, you know. But I had one problem one time. Uh, the guy, he, he, yeah, I forgot how I was. I went either down or I went up. I think I went up. He went, he, for, he was down and I was all the way up. And then he got out suddenly. <laughs> Bam! Bang! Tang! 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 Yeah, so you, know, you got to be careful, you know, with leverage. Leverage can be a good thing. Leverage could be a dangerous thing. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, the enemy has been leveraging your feelings and making it seem a lot worse. But now God's going to leverage the little you do in the kingdom, and He's going to make a lot more of it. Now, my 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 question to you is: If you could get some good, decent leverage, wouldn't you take advantage of it? Take advantage because the, the mood of the Holy Spirit now is to redeem his people. Yep. The mood of the Holy Spirit is to restore things that had been taken away from the enemy in this year. So, you know, do a lot of restoration. Why do just a little bit? Why just do a little deliverance? Why just do a little salvation? I mean, get, get, go, go crazy with it. Because the Bible says, with the measure that you give, it will be given back to you. In the kingdom of God, whenever you do anything for somebody else, God sees that as a seed that you've sown. And now what he does is he restores that seed back to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. So what will happen is whatever you do for somebody, God will send men and women to do for you. But he won't do it in the same measure. He'll always do a lot more. I got one amen. I got, I got three concerns because you said I'm closing, right? Three, three concerns already. Because they know that preachers, when they say it's closing time, they usually have seven closings, right? <laughs> so, so, no, I was going to say so in closing. <laughs> so, part, part B of my closing. Um, <laughs> so, what, what did we say? Holy Week, um, Jesus, he came back and he rode on a donkey, right, or on a colt because he wanted to... Uh, be that perfect lamb of God. But guess what? He's coming back as a lion. Amen. The lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not coming back as a lamb. You're not going to see the same posture when he comes back. See, that's my lion. That's my lion of the tribe of Judah. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my King. Amen. He goes before me. I go behind him. Amen. Praise God. He's the leader. I'm his junior partner. He's the senior partner. Praise God. Then he came in. He restored things in the temple. He went into the temple and he said, what are you guys doing? You're stealing in the temple. You, 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 you're doing merchandise. My house is a house of prayer. He's restoring his house. It's a house of prayer. And he's also restoring the faith in God's people. Amen. He's, re he's restoring our faith. You're people of faith. Praise God. He's restoring our mindset. He's restoring our peace, our authority. He's restoring our ability to produce. 
Praise God. He's restoring the labor of our hands. He's restoring um, our walk, our journey. His journey is our salvation. And guess what? He always does it exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Yeah.